Brenda Seidensticker with 55 Farm and Ranch in Brownsboro, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Jessica Donald. Hello, Texas. Thank you for joining us for another edition of Texas Ag Today. So jump on in with me, buckle up, and let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, Texas A&M AgriLife is researching some of the best ways to use dogs to protect sheep and goat herds. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Jessica Dolmel and I'm your host, and I'm part of the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture, from the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos, and from the Panhandle all the way down to the Rio Grande Valley. The heavy rains that have fallen in recent weeks have greatly accelerated pasture recovery in the northern Texas Panhandle. I'm James Hunt, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Exceptional to average corn crop yields in Central Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and we'll go to one Central Texas county for the beginning of corn harvest. Just ahead on Texas Ag Today. Summer grass care in Texas is kind of a tricky business. Please join me, John Begnos. We talk about how we maintain our summer turf in Texas. We'll have those stories, news from Washington, Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets coming up. Livestock guardian dogs can be vital in protecting herds against predators. Carrie Martin joins us with more on some research on livestock guardian dogs. Predation is a huge problem for Texas sheep and goat producers. So Texas A&M AgriLife is conducting research on the best ways to use dogs to protect herds. Sheep and goat specialist Dr. Reed Redden is the center director for AgriLife Research in San Angelo and Sonora. One of our most popular projects within the small ruminant industry is our Livestock Guardian Dog Program, where we're investigating, demonstrating, doing outreach about how to use guardian dogs the most effectively so that we can mitigate predation. Predation of small ruminants is the biggest thing that our sheep and goat community fights. Their predators are getting worse, they're more abundant, and so, you know, in Texas, people could see 10% to 100% loss of lambs and kids in a season. So these tools really help keep people stay in business. So what is the focus of this research? So one of the things that our key areas is how we bond them. So if you think about a dog in years, months, so a dog month is equal to a person's year, right? So if we can get that dog to 24 months of age and we teach him the right things to do, he will be more effective from two to say 10 or 12. And so we 
put them in pens. We use electric fence at an early age, so we teach them to respect fence so they don't go to the neighbors, they don't get on the road and get run over, and so they stay with the livestock because lots of times they're following predators off and we have a risk of them getting lost. We also are investigating and working with companies to improve GPS tracking equipment so that we can put that on the dog and we know where they are and we can see changes in their activity to better assess where predators are at, where they're going. If they happen to leave, we can recover them and bring them back. And so that's all tools and information that's becoming more available and it helps our ranching community better use the dogs. And the use of livestock guardian dogs is becoming more popular. We're seeing a much, much higher uh, use of guardian dogs amongst our sheep and goat producers. The predator pressure is so much that, that if you can't exclude predators by fencing, lethal control is an option. But with dogs and good fences, we can really take care of the majority of that predation. And so we're seeing more and more people use it and they're seeing good results. Redden says they're looking to expand this type of research and they're bringing on more faculty to do that. Yeah, we are. We're, we're trying to get back where we were before. You know, budget cuts and things ha- have got us where we have less faculty than we did 20 years ago. Uh, we're trying to get back to uh, enough people that we can have that capacity to serve the stakeholders that we're there to support. Texas A&M Sheep and Goat Specialist, Dr. Reed Redden. I'm Kerry Martin on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Recent rains have led to a dramatic recovery for some grazing lands in the northern Texas Panhandle. James Hunt has that story. We've talked previously about the huge amount of rain the northern Texas Panhandle has received in recent weeks. It's had both good and not so good effects on row crop agriculture up there. But when it comes to the livestock side of the equation, Ockeltree County Extension Agent Scott Strawn tells me in his county the benefit for ranchers has been enormous. I already know there's some pastures where they could possibly restock. And I was cautioning producers, and I still caution them, they need to evaluate before they just restock. But we've got some ranch land now that could possibly be restocked. And I was not thinking that was going to be possible for at least probably two or three years. And I think it's going to be possible, you know, starting the 1st of August to get some late season summer grazing. The sad thing is we had a lot of cows sold before all this rain started. And we don't have a lot of cow-calf cows, mother cows in the county anymore. And they're going to have to buy cows or bring them in from somewhere to restock and that's going to be a challenge just because they were able to sell those cows, but you're going to have to buy them back at pretty high prices too. Yes, for those building back herds, the price will likely be pretty steep. But for those who were able to hold on to their animals during that long drought period... They're in the driver's seat now, and they're feeling a lot of relief already. Once again, that's Ockeltree County Extension Agent Scott Strawn. Now for a quick reminder, rebuilding herds is one topic to be covered at the Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course, taking place August 7th through August 9th at Texas A&M University. Go online and use the words Texas A&M Beef Cattle Short Course to get more information. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Corn harvest is kicking off in parts of central Texas. Tom Nicoletti joins us with a look at the crop in Williamson County. In Williamson County, producer Bob Avant is standing by. And Bob, so far, what is corn yielding uh, on a per bushel and acre basis there in your county? It varies. Some fields are going to be exceptional in the 140 bushel range. 
which is about twice our average yield in Williamson County. And other fields are probably going to be closer to the average. So we have some fields that are really exceptional. Those are the fields that got the rain when we needed it. But rain was fairly spotty in Williamson County. We'd have parts of the county that got nice rains. And then there'd be a, a belt through the center part of the county that didn't. Then the southern part of the county got some fairly nice rain. So our yields are going to be varied from exceptional to average. Now, how do these yields compare to last year? Much better. Last year, because of the drought, we were more in the range of the average yield, about 70 bushels, and some fields didn't produce much at all because of the drought. So this is a pleasant surprise on yields this year. What about the quality of this year's corn crop at this point? It's all looking very good. It's early to tell right now. We'll know a lot more about potential aflatoxin concerns as we start getting into some of those later planted fields. But I, I think everybody's fairly optimistic. So we're keeping our fingers crossed even in the last few years with some of the, the aflatoxin packages that are out there, in a, in including the genetics for worms. That we're, we're being able to do a better job even on aflatoxin. That is producer Bob Avant in Williamson County in Central Texas. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Summer grass care in Texas can be tricky. John Begno joins us with this story. The heat has taken its toll on a lot of plants. Turf grass is one of those that can suffer, especially if you're in a situation that might be in bright sun, excess of 100 degree temperature, and then maybe even a little short on water, especially rainfall, which is much better than most irrigation water in Texas. So here's what we sometimes think about doing. We want to keep that those plants alive. And so there's a couple of tricks that we can do. We know that if the excessive heat is an issue and you do have access to the water, you're not in a restricted area, you can do what we call syringe the lawn. Well, one or two o'clock, three o'clock in the afternoon, you turn your system on or you even hold a hose and water the priceless spots like hard to grow area under shade, things that you can do to cool the root system and the leaf surface down. And it's amazing. Golf courses do this syringing, especially on bent grass greens in Texas during this kind of a summer, just to increase the humidity around the plants, cool them off. So that's a little trick. We get asked a lot about fertilizer. Should I fertilize? turf grass in the hot summer Texas? And the answer is, of course, it depends. If you have access to water and you're not getting the growth you need, in other words, you don't need to mow it but once every three or four weeks, then the answer is yes, because they will go south on you. They will start to fade, thin out without adequate nutrients. So it might be nitrogen that they need most of. We have turf building products. We have products like 21714. But the trick is not to overdose it. You're much better off with a light application. If it calls for 10 pounds per thousand square feet of yard surface, then what you're going to be doing is half that to maybe five pounds. If you'll do this, immediately water or as soon as you can get it down in the root system, you're going to see a perk up. Plants may not grow as much as you want, but they'll keep their health. That report from John Begno. The state has announced two additional cases of chronic wasting disease in breeding facilities in Texas. 
Texas Farm Bureau is helping increase the number of veterinarians practicing in rural communities. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd will have more on that coming up next right here on Texas Ag Today. After my first car accident, I feared the biggest damage would be to my wallet. I expected a mountain of bills and a long, drawn-out process. But my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent was there when I needed her and helped me get back on my feet and in my car in no time. Instead of a hassle, I got reassurance and a quick recovery. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com to find an agent who's there when you need them most. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. The state's largest farm organization is helping to increase the number of veterinarians practicing in rural areas. Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd joins us with more. And the Texas Farm Bureau Veterinary Scholarships were created in 2022 to ease the financial burden on veterinary students who seek further experiences and education with food animal species. The scholarships are $10,000 each, and this year's recipients include Jaden Arthur, Bennett Folsom, and Dylan Bostic from Texas Tech, and Deanne Berry from Texas A&M. McKenna Bush is the Outreach Coordinator for Texas Farm Bureau, and she indicates that there is a clear need for veterinarians in rural areas of Texas. Texas Farm Bureau created this scholarship to help veterinary students who wish to pursue a career focused on rural, mixed, and or food animal veterinary medicine. Animal agriculture is certainly a large part of Texas agriculture, and a shortage of rural veterinarians affects farmers and ranchers raising livestock. Many longtime rural veterinarians have no one to come in and take over their practice when they retire because fewer graduates are interested in rural practice. I have a classmate with a good mixed practice in West Texas that he has been trying to sell or hire an associate for over five years and has not been successful. If he cannot find someone, he will basically have to close his practice, requiring his clients to have to drive many miles for veterinary service. He is still in practice because none of us want to leave our clients without vet service, but all of the old vets can only work so long. These scholarships are very helpful and are open to second and third year students in veterinary school at Texas A&M or Texas Tech. Applicants must plan to enter a rural practice after graduation to be eligible for the scholarship. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Two additional deer in breeding facilities have tested positive for the fatal neurological deer disease known as chronic wasting. According to the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department, a two-year-old white-tailed doe died in a deer breeding facility in Frio County. It was tested post-mortem in compliance with CWD surveillance testing requirements, and that test came back positive. The deer breeding facility is the second in the county with a positive case of the disease. A three-year-old white-tailed buck also recently tested positive for CWD. The buck was tested after dying in a deer breeding facility in Zavala County. It is the second breeding facility in that county with a positive case. As a result of these positive detections, the Texas Parks and Wildlife Department is expected to recommend CWD containment zones in the general area of both facilities at the Texas Parks and Wildlife Commission's August meeting. 
If approved by the commission, hunters in those zones will be required to have their deer tested for CWD before leaving the zone. There will also be mandatory carcass movement restrictions and disposal requirements. The commission work session and meeting will be August 23rd and 24th in Austin. CWD impacts members of the deer or cervid family, including white-tailed deer, mule deer, elk, red deer, and sika deer. CWD has a long incubation period, so infected animals may not show symptoms for years, all the while spreading prions in the environment that can infect other susceptible animals. The disease was first found in Texas in 2012, and since then hundreds of cases have been confirmed in captive and free-ranging deer. We'll take a look at the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and the financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau Health Plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. After suffering some losses on Thursday as corn traded higher, the cattle complex rebounded on Friday despite corn continuing to trade higher. For much of the day on Friday, traders and packers both seemed kind of locked in a standoff to see who would give in first. And the cattle complex ended up trading higher. August live cattle up $3.27 to 180.17. October live cattle up $2.52 to 182.62. December live cattle up $2.40 to 185.77. August feeder cattle up $1.65 to 246.65. September feeder cattle up $1.90 to 249.22. October feeder cattle up $1.90 to 250.47. Boxed beef was lower Friday, choice down 77 cents to 306.14. Select was down $2.38 to 277.80. Now let's check those livestock auctions. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Carl Herman, my guest. Carl Herman, Caldwell Livestock Commission Company. How was your Wednesday sale? I don't think I've ever seen calves as high as they are right now. Uh, everything looks really good uh, for the producer. Uh, we had uh, 875 head yesterday on a higher calf market and cow market uh, for 150 sellers and 45 buyers. We had uh, over 100 cows and bulls yesterday. Slaughter cows 60 to 110. Slaughter bulls 85 to 130. Stalker cows 950 to 15 and a quarter. And pairs 1100 to 1800. Uh, on the calves, uh, on the steer side, two to three weights, 250 to three dollars. Three to four weights, 240 to 290. Four to five weights steers, 235 to 275. Five to six weights, 230 to 262. Six to seven weights, $2 to 250. And the seven to eight weights, $2 to 237. Uh, when you go and the averages are all two and above, you're getting along pretty good. Uh, on the heifer side, 
two to three weight heifers, 220 to 250, three to four weight heifers, 225 to 242, four to five weights, 221 to 250, five to six weight heifers brought 211 to 265, seven to six to seven weights, 203 to 227, and the seven to eight weight heifers, 185 to $2. So uh, overall, had a lot of good cattle. Uh, buyers were active, and we look forward to the next week. Well, tell everybody how to get a hold of you for that sale, Carl. Okay, my number is 979-820-5349. Call the barn, 567-4119. If you're in the Giddings and Lexington area, call Max Ebner at 540-8676. We appreciate it. Thank you, and we'll talk to you next week. Yes, sir, Larry. Thank you. And Texas Neighbor, thank you, too, for listening to Walking the Pens here on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. My name's Larry Marble. I put it all together for you good folks, and you're listening to us right this second on Texas Ag Today. After trading higher on Thursday, lean hogs traded lower on Friday. July lean hogs down 37 cents to 101.97. August lean hogs down 30 cents to 96.20. Block cheese fell 5 cents Friday to $1.48. Barrel cheese fell 0.75 cents to $1.39. Class 3 milk fell 2 cents to 13.82 a hundredweight. August Class 3 milk fell 26 cents to $15.08 a hundredweight. Cotton was moderately lower on Friday. October cotton down 13 points to 82.66. December cotton down 46 points to 81.22. Corn traded higher again on Friday with most of the corn belt at 57% still suffering from some sort of drought. July corn up six and a quarter to 599 and three quarters. September corn up 13 to 506 and a half. December corn up 13 and a quarter to 513 and three quarters. July hard red wheat up two to 809 and a quarter. September hard red wheat up 23 to 829. December hard red wheat up 22 and three quarters to 833 and a half. July soybeans down 22 and a quarter to 1495 and three quarters. November soybeans up one to 1370 and three quarters. August natural gas was even at 254. September natural gas even at 253. August crude oil down a dollar 49 to 75.40 a barrel. September crude oil down a dollar 46 to 75.30 a barrel. The Dow was up 136 points to 34,531. The S&P 500 down 1 to 4,508. And the NASDAQ down 19 to 14,119. Well, that wraps up our look at the markets. And that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. We hope you join us next time for the latest news in Texas agriculture. I'm Jessica Domel, and I hope to see you then. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.